Once upon a time, those of us who were catechized with the Baltimore Catechism arrived at some point in our religious education at question 465. What is faith? The answer was that faith is a divine virtue by which we firmly believe the truths that God has revealed. The Baltimore Catechism prepared three generations of my family for a first communion and confirmation, my grandparents, my parents, my brothers and sisters, and myself. It gave practical shape to our Catholic faith with its careful, even elegant, economy of words. But um, fine words don't butter parsnips, as the saying goes. By the 60s, the question-and-answer format had begun to wear thin. That was one of the symptoms of a major shift in Western culture that we call post-modernity, where history, art, literature, politics, morality, and religion are all subject to radical skepticism over truth claims. Another part of that cultural shift was the rise of the therapy culture, where exploring the self, finding myself, became an individual's vocation. Personal authority was located within ourselves rather than in definitions of a catechism or perhaps papal pronouncements. Now we make our own choices about what we want to live and to believe. In the postmodern therapeutic culture, everyone becomes their own pope. I think we could sum up these two cultural shifts with a tagline from the old TV show, The X-Files. I'm sure that some of you watched it. It said, The X-Files, the truth is out there. In the postmodern world, with its radical skepticism, there is no truth out there. And in the therapy culture, with its emphasis on me, myself, and I, there is no there out there either. In 1992, Pope St. John Paul II promulgated the new catechism, which tried to speak to this situation. It described faith in terms of an interpersonal relationship between God and the believer. God gives us the gift of faith, and we respond by freely giving the gift of ourselves back to God in our ascent to the truth revealed revealed in the creed, celebrated in the liturgy, received in the sacraments, and lived out in the twofold commandment to love God and neighbor. Among other things, that means that faith is always public faith, never a private matter involving my own deeply held convictions and personal feelings. Uh, There's one other crucial element. If faith is an assent to the truth, that truth is not an abstract proposition. Truth has, in fact, a proper name because it is a person. The proper name of truth is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one unique revelation of the Father. And therein lies the real mystery. Some people have faith in Christ. Some people had faith but no longer believe. Others are born skeptics. And this is not new, despite our cultural shifts. It is a fact that many of Jesus' own contemporaries did not, would not, or could not believe in him. This is where today's gospel comes in. We've arrived 
at the end of a long section in Matthew that's largely devoted to the rejection of Jesus and his message. Even his own kinsfolk and townsmen reject him. The Galilean ministry has ended in failure, and it is now becoming clear that opposition to Jesus is growing. Despite general rejection, there are still some who accept his message, and for this, in the gospel, Jesus gives thanks. This is the passage that we hear today. And this should probably give us some measure of relief in the end that there were at least a few of Jesus' contemporaries who trusted and believed him. Unless you look closely at who these people are, they're not experts. They're not the sophisticated, the cultivated, or the literati, but the tax collectors, the social outcasts and misfits, and some fishermen from Galilee, people your parents and mine probably wouldn't want us hanging around. All of them willing to accept the yoke of Christ. It's an interesting image, but its implications probably slip by us because we don't go to town in an ox cart. In ancient times, the ox was the all-purpose beast of burden used to pull wagons and plow fields. To utilize ox power, persuasion was useless. It's like herding cats. What you needed was a yoke that hitched an ox to a cart or a plow. In ancient times, the yoke was the universal symbol of slavery and servitude. The English word subjugate comes from the Latin words sub, under, and yugum, yoke, and means the condition in which human beings are compelled against their will, like oxen, to submit to a master. And that's why everywhere the Roman armies went, there and were victorious in battle, they made the conquered armies march beneath a symbolic yoke. The defeated had to stoop low in order to pass under the yoke, and in doing so, they gave physical witness of their subjection to the power of imperial Rome, designated to humiliate them. Christ tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden light. To believe in him, to accept the message of the cross, to live as men and women of faith, as men and women of the church, is to subjugate ourselves, to bend our minds, our wills, and our hearts to him and all that he demands of us. So St. Matthew is giving us his definition of faith. It is the yoke that binds us to Christ, but it is also the yoke that binds him to us. And it is still a yoke, and that is why faith never comes easy or cheap in any age or culture.